Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like me, one simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating also makes this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that'll make this type of abuse worse. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma, and Rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need real support, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org. We'd love to see you in a session today. I have Dr. Jones back on today's episode. If you did not listen to last week, start there, listen to that first, and then join us here. At BTR, we do not diagnose anyone. BTR was created specifically for women victims of emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. Sexual coercion, usually in the form of someone using pornography and not informing their wife about it. And then she's not able to give consent. As women victims come to us for help and they use our services, we don't diagnose their abusers. Because a lot of the victims come in and they've read something on the internet and they're like, oh, he's a narcissist. And sure, he's definitely acting like a narcissist. Or he's got a sex addiction. And yes, he's meeting the criteria for that. In terms of what really matters to victims is, are you safe? So instead of focusing on what's causing these types of abusive behaviors, we focus on victim safety. Are you emotionally safe? Are you psychologically safe? Are you sexually safe? Dr. Jones and I were talking about that, and we're just going to pick up the conversation where we left off. Can you talk about narcissistic behaviors in general? Maybe what narcissism is and how it affects victims and why narcissistic abuse happens? Yeah, so I think I should preface that by saying narcissistic um, or narcissist is a word that is overutilized, you know, in today's society. So a lot of people use it to reference their partner being a jerk or their partner not, you know, respecting their needs or their partner may be cheating or something like that. And so that's not exactly what narcissism is. And I think it's also important to note that I'm glad that you said that you don't diagnose because diagnosing someone with NPD is very, very serious. And I've, I've worked with and diagnosed many people with NPD and when you take a look at narcissistic personality disorder versus what people are referring to in, you know, out in culture these days, just like using the word narcissist, NPD and narcissist is very different. But what most people are talking about is a person that possesses narcissistic 
traits, right? They're talking about someone who is extremely manipulative. They're talking about someone who does not have empathy. They're talking about a person that feels entitled or doesn't consider another person's needs in the relationship. That's traditionally what we're talking about. So we're talking about behaviors like gaslighting, um, coercive control, which may consist of like physical, sexual, emotional, and verbal and psychological or digital abuse, right? So we're talking about those types of abuse just to keep it on a more simplistic level. And so those are typically what we mean when we say a person is a narcissist, right? They are abusing me in some way. They are tearing me down. They're making me feel less than myself. They are oppressing me in some way and they're using me for their own financial gain and security. They don't care about my needs and once they're done using me, they've kind of they've moved on to someone else or they have another person waiting in the wing. So they're basically talking about some traits of the personality disorder. On some occasion, you may be dealing with someone who has the full-blown personality disorder, but you may be talking about someone who's very egotistical and entitled. And that's usually what most people are talking about. And both of them are very serious. One thing to note is a person with a true personality disorder versus what people refer to as a narcissist. Usually when someone refers to another person as being narcissistic to them, traditionally speaking, that may be just they are referring to the way that person has treated them and maybe a select few other people that they may be abusing or manipulating. And a lot of times what you'll hear them say is, oh, that person is a narcissist to me, but out into the world, they present like a totally different person. Where someone with narcissistic personality disorder, they're going to be that way 100% of the time. They're going to have the, the, the same effect on everyone in the room versus a person that's narcissistic. They may hide parts of themselves. And not to say a psychopath or a sociopath can't do that also, but again, I'm just speaking in general terms because every case is different. Um, it person is usually speaking about interpersonal relationships and it typically in an interpersonal relationships, they do not have any stability in that. What would you say to a victim of abuse? I like the word victim around here because my listeners, generally speaking, have not survived anything yet. <laughs> like if you say like the Titanic, right, it sunk and then you survived the Titanic. In the case of listeners to my podcast, most women are still experiencing this abuse in one form or another. Now they are trying to make their way to safety, right? They're trying to set boundaries. They're trying to get some distance. They're trying to figure it out. That feels better to me as a current still victim of abuse. My ex still manipulates and lies and does all the things. Thankfully, I feel very safe now, but I'm still technically actually being abused. I understand people like survivor better depending on how they use it. But that being said, like a lot of women in this situation, they think if they had a, a diagnosis, it would make things better. Maybe because then they could figure out what to do, right? They could take some steps or they could get their husband into the right type of therapy or something like that. Can you explain why that is very dangerous 
for victims to think that a diagnosis might make the situation better, or even like if they had a diagnosis like NPD, like an official narcissistic personality disorder diagnosis, that would give them grounds for divorce. But without it, uh, you know, maybe it's not serious enough and maybe I don't need to separate. Maybe I don't need to be too concerned about this type of abuse. Can you explain why that's dangerous for victims? Yeah. I mean, what do you need a diagnosis for? Like figure it out for what? Um, and I think when you think about that question, like, like, what do I need a diagnosis for? Like logically and rationally, what do I need that for? What is that going to get me? And usually when I encounter someone with that question or that train of thought, that is still someone who is operating in survival mode, which is another reason why I refer to it as surviving. Because every day that, that you're being abused or you're being brutalized or that you're with someone who's taking advantage of you, you are surviving. Although you may not feel like it, you still are surviving, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That is that mentality, like, you know, and that's also a mentality of someone who's being oppressed. It's like, what can I do? to fix this situation because someone who is abused is always told that it's their fault and that they need to fix something, right? And that is the mindset of when someone's abused that you need to fix someone else or if you have some answers, you can fix this person or this person can get some help or this and that and the other. You don't need to do that. If you're moving on or you're getting out of that relationship, you need to worry about, or even if you're in a relationship, even with that person, you still need to have your own autonomy, right? And having your own autonomy is you figuring out what's going on with you and what do you need in this very moment. That person, there's nothing wrong with them cognitively. So there's no reason that cognitively they can't go get their own help, right? If they want to, they will. Like, so if they want to figure out what's going on with themselves, if they want to figure out, you know, hey, I might need some help and do, and I want to do some work, they need to be responsible for that. Like, even as a professional or someone that diagnoses people, I cannot force people to come to treatment. I cannot force people to follow treatment. That person has to be motivated and want to do that and find the answers for themselves, right? And so I think that's the thing is people need to have their own autonomy and they need to, and this is the one place that I would encourage you to think about what do you need? What is happening to me? That answer is not going to give you anything other than, okay, maybe this is what's going on and it can maybe educate you about what's going on but honestly if you really pay attention to yourselves you can say you know this person isn't treating me very well this person is putting me down and other people may be helping this person abuse me or put me down or silence me and that's the information that I need right and that is saying that I don't feel good about what's happening here. They are hurting me and I don't like that. And I think that is a much more empowering way to look at the situation, realize what's going on and taking care of yourselves. But when you ask questions like, you know, is my partner a narcissist or is narcissism a mental illness or what can I do to help them? You are typically looking at ways to help that person and not help yourself. You're looking at ways to fix the situation so that you could stay in it. Before we get back to the conversation, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue. 
or they try to quote unquote treat the victim and the abuser in the same setting. That's unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Knowing that there's no way that we as a victim can fix the situation because we have nothing to do with it. Right. And I like how you described survivor. Actually, no one has described it like that to me before that you are, you're just surviving every day and you can't do anything but survive or make your way to safety. There's, those are your only two options because you doing anything to improve his treatment of you is not a possibility. It's just not an option. But I do feel like most women, me included, me included, go through that trial and error period of trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think most women go through that? I, I, I will even dare, I will have the audacity to say all women, although that's probably not true. Why do you think all women try to improve things? Like, they're like, oh, well, if I did this, maybe it would improve things. Why do you think they do that first before realizing, wait a minute, this isn't working? Because that's the whole premise of abuse. Being with an abusive person is told that the I'm not the problem, you're the problem, and so therefore you need to fix it. When you're in an abusive relationship, an abusive person is constantly projecting the blame on you and telling you that you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to be good enough or to be worthy enough or, you know, for them to even consider loving you, right? And then they always change the goalposts. And so again, that thinking, that that rote sort of systematic thinking is survivalistic thinking. That's what you've been conditioned, hardwired to do and to think about is because that's all that's sort of hammered into you. You need to fix it or you need to do X, Y, and Z. Whether it's, you know, academics, like your grades need to be good enough, whether it's how you look or you need to look pretty enough, or maybe you need to cook everything, clean everything, just bend over backwards every day just to sort of do all of these things and it's so not good enough. That is that same type of thinking and find answers and seek to understand instead of realistically looking at the situation and saying, no, this is what it is. And that's why I always encourage people, just stop that type of thinking. Look at the factual information and write it down in on paper. Like, what are the facts? Not what can I fix or what it should look like or what do I want it to be like, right? Because that... Or even what is he saying, right? Because he's going to be saying stuff. Right. Don't even write that down. Don't don't include his words as facts. Right. Well, so but that's I'm saying, like, if he's saying something, but doing something totally different, that is a fact. Like Mm -hmm. if he said, I'm going to be at your house at Tuesday at nine o'clock and he never showed up, he never showed up. That is a fact. But he lied and said he was going to do something else. That is a fact. Mm -hmm. Right. And so just sort of writing down the facts not hoping for potential, not trying to change, not trying to, you know, mold a person into who you think they can be or based on their potential of if they just did that, they could be better. You know, none of that stuff. Just what what are the facts? Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that you said it's a result of the abuse. Like why, why does every woman try that? It's because of the abuse, because they're told that. And unless they know that going into it, 
then they're going to start with that. That's really interesting. So we started talking specifically about women of color, and then we um, veered toward just general narcissistic stuff. I could talk to you forever, by the way. Thank you so much for coming on. But um, Of course. Do you have any tips for women of color who are in an emotionally or psychologically abusive marriage and they're trying to navigate it? Do you have anything specific for them? Pay attention to how you feel. A lot of times when people reach out to counseling or something like that, they're they're focused on, you know, anxiety and whatever. You know, my partner's not communicating with me. So it's going to be important for you to pay attention to how you're feeling. You need someone who is very objective and who listens, right? And who is in the trenches with you because there are some therapists that aren't as good, right? Or aren't as qualified to suss out abuse because if we're in sort of our rote thinking, we're not thinking realistically, right? We're not thinking realistically about how dangerous a person is. We're just thinking that we want to fix it. And sometimes it could be a life or death situation that you don't need to fix. You just need to get out or otherwise the outcome isn't going to be very good for you. And that's specifically why I say you need someone who's very realistic, very objective, and who can tell you, hey, listen, this person is significantly disturbed and I really need for you to pay attention to what's going on here because when you're in it, you're not necessarily based in reality. You're, you're thinking in survival mode. And so you need someone who is objective and reality focused. Getting some support if you can. Um, a lot of narcissistic abuse focuses on isolating you, but if you can if you can get some form of support, even if it's online, reading is something that's also helpful. There's lots of blogs, books, and things like that, that you could read about narcissistic abuse, podcasts, focus on those who really have a handle on it, because not everyone out there Mm -hmm. understands the true concepts of it. You have a lot of people that are just kind of talking, but they don't really get the the concept of it. Check out your local or national domestic violence center, including legal services and things like that. So those are tools that are available at your fingertips. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jones, for spending this time with us. I appreciated talking to you and it's good to catch up. If this podcast was helpful to you, please help us reach other women by pushing that follow or subscribe button and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping get the word out. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.